Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. We hope the Ringer can provide you entertainment and companionship during this time. So as always, feel free to check out theringer.com, where we're still covering the latest in sports, pop culture, tech, and media. And the Ringer's YouTube channel can provide endless amounts of entertainment. You can find that at youtube.com slash theringer. Welcome to the Recapables Westworld. It's Tinfoil Tuesday. Actually, it's Wednesday, but we're going to still call it Tinfoil Tuesday. This is going to Tuesday will be our regular day. This week is a little bit weird for reasons you can imagine. Um, I'm just going to say up top that this is a all spoilers edition. There is nothing that's off limits, be it last season, this season, internet leaks, trailers. We're going to talk about everything on Tinfoil Tuesday episodes only. We'll be a little bit more respectful on our Sunday recaps. But as we proceed in this episode, please, please, please don't tweet us about spoilers. Let's get into it. We just got done watching season three, episode one. It was a lot to take in, but in some ways, a much more streamlined, much more uh, digestible version of the show than we're used to seeing in seasons past. I have no doubt that um, all that will be thrown for a loop. We want you guys to give us the questions, to give us the subjects for what we're going to talk about every Tuesday on this show. So if you have one, Danny Heifetz, my, uh, my loyal compadre, what is the email address that they should be sending these theories to? The Recapables Westworld at gmail.com. Email us there. Send us questions, send us theories, send us uh, funny memes with Danny Ivitz's face. Uh, anything you want to do, we'll be there receiving them with open arms. Um, we got a few questions on Twitter already, and we're going to jump right in and talk all about this episode, starting with what you guys wanted us to talk about. The first question we got, which is something I hadn't even thought about because I'm a dodo. Uh, this one came from Neil. He asks, do you think there are multiple timelines Within the first episode, I mean, we've seen two seasons of this show, and it feels like the answer should be of freaking course. But I have no idea what they would be. Danny, do you have any theories about this? Uh, before I have a theory, I have an emotion, which is I really hope not, because it's such a it, it's it, it would be kind of be a drag, and I don't think so because I think everyone's in the same timeline in the human world, and I think basically unless Maeve in that post credit scene after the credits is in a different timeline, but. The general vibe I got from season three, the first episode, was we really want everyone who kind of thought season two was too much to come back. Like, please take us back. We're not as weird as you thought. Please watch. And I think that if they did a third season of multiple timelines, that would be kind of off-putting to a lot of people they're trying to draw back in. So I don't really think it makes sense. And I don't think they laid the groundwork for it. And I don't think it's necessary. Uh, I agree with everything you said. Um, although it wouldn't, it feels on some, on some level, it wouldn't quite be Westworld. And I hesitate to say I'd be disappointed in them if they went that route, because I mean, that madness is why we're here. Um, just to quickly run through the, the timelines that we have, assuming they're all in the same timeline, but the different sections of the show, um, to try to parse this out, Dolores will consider that the present. Um, unless she's jumping around in multiple timelines, but we get, I mean, everything was pretty linear with her and her time in space. I think she's just hopping around in private jets. Yeah. I think that's the most interesting part. It's <laughs> how so she got from West LA to East LA in like 10 minutes, but I guess Rehob Alam has just like figured that stuff out. So previously that would be time travel. Uh, look outside right now. I think you could make that drive anyway. Um, 
so most of her stuff, I mean, we're given her time, her, her time and place. I mean, it, I, there's no question there. The stuff with Caleb, um, our guy Aaron Paul, is, I mean, obviously it jumps around time a good bit because it shows him going through some life changes, but he ends up in the present tense. So I don't think there's any case that, like, all the stuff that he went through is a significantly different timeline. Like we're going to be jumping back to him working with the robot. We'll get back to that robot, by the way, as some separate timeline. Um, the stuff with Bernard, obviously that's in the current timeline because it's referencing the things that happened just a short time ago on, on at Westworld, the massacre that happened there and that he's in hiding. We don't know why, why or how he got to the Philippines, but I can't, it's hard to imagine that's a separate timeline. Now he's heading back to Westworld. We believe at the end of episode one, um, and then taking this to Westworld, well, we should, I mean, th- this ties her into another question we got. This is from Sam. What role do you expect the actual park of Westworld to play in season three of the show it's named after? It's a good question because the only other option is the post-credit sequence with Maeve. Now, this is the one I'm torn on. I would find it really mind-boggling for this to not be relatively the present timeline but of all of them, if we're going to talk about multiple timelines, one could make the case, or one could imagine a world in which that scene is happening five years ago, right? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly possible, but I, I'm not sure that that would serve too much. Like, it's certainly possible, yeah, maybe, maybe before she was a homesteader, she was in World War II world, and she met someone that's important now, and then we're going to see her in a different place. And she, It could totally be a flashback. But I think it's much more intriguing if she's just been reset and she's in a new world right now and she has to kind of get out of it as her new version of herself. I think that that would be more interesting. That certainly follows from where season two ended up, where she was supposed to be re, you know, refurbished and repurposed, we think, and kind of put back into duty. Um, and that also follows what Charlotte Hale, or whoever Charlotte Hale is, was saying in season three, episode one, about just kind of getting the park back up and running. Um, I guess the fact that we don't really know if the park's currently up and running might be a question mark, but who cares? But, and it does seem like... Well, no, I mean, you asked about the actual role the park's going to play. I think, I mean, literally right now, Bernard is on a boat heading there. He's heading to the South China Sea where the park is. So I think it's pretty clear that he's going to end up grabbing Maeve and they're going to be coming back together. But I think that that's pretty interesting just in the general arc of Maeve's story because what the role Westworld will play is they will be leaving Westworld. And I know that they already have, but... I think the next episode or two, we're going to get that as like the emotional heft of like, we are truly moving on from Westworld. Because we didn't really see Dolores leaving Westworld at the end of season two. We didn't really see her grappling with it. I think Bernard and Maeve are going to deal with all the loose ends, or at least the loose emotions that are still rattling around. And I also think it really dovetails with what Maeve's character is. Because for so much of season one and parts of season two, she has this speech that she gives about her backstory, about leaving beyond leaving behind her old life and coming to Westworld. And she explains it um, multiple times. So she actually, the part of the speech and she gives this to a lot of guests throughout season one, but she says, I ran away across the shining sea. And when I finally stepped foot back on solid ground, the first thing I heard was that goddamn voice. You know what it said? It said, this is the new world. And in this world, you can be whoever the fuck you want. So she said that to a bunch of guests when she was still not really conscious, not really, making her own decisions. Now we see her, she's in this World War II world. She's literally in a new world, but the larger transition is that she's probably going to get on this boat with Bernard, cross the Shining Sea, the Shining South China Sea, and then she's going to step onto new land. She's going to step step onto the mainland, this time actually making decisions. So I think 
she's going to have to decide who does she want to be because she's already got her daughter to safety, right? Like that's her core drive. That's what she cares about. But a lot of people like real life, like real humans, once you accomplish something you've always wanted, like it's kind of like what's next, right? I mean, Tom Brady, you know, he's done all this and he's like, shit, what do I do now? And Maeve's kind of the same way. Like she got her daughter to the Valley Beyond. She put her daughter's hard drive up in the cloud or whatever. And she's like, well, what do I do? And so she has to decide like, who does she want to be? And it seems that that's going to clash with Dolores. But I think that's the the big picture look at what Maeve right now is. She actually gets to decide who she what she wants, which no other character gets to do. Okay, well, I mean, from what you just said, it seems like your answer to the question of how significant Westworld itself is going to be in this show is not very, right? That it's going to be, there's going to be some contrivance. I'm sure there's going to be some chase that, that you know, Bernard and Maeve meet up. They somehow escape from Westworld out into the real world. And... um you know, the, the, the meat of the show will continue on the mainland. Is that, uh, yeah, so, the actual park will be a place to leave. That will be, it will be very much the old world. Can we just take one minute on the park? And I, I don't think I even put this in, in our notes, but uh, there, there's one thing that, that I, I just want to, I, I saw people referencing, uh, they've been referencing it for two seasons, but I just want to just sort of pin this down. Now just nail this down for everybody listening. We are led to believe according to, I don't think it was in the show. I don't. I mean, I believe it's considered canonical because of the Westworld websites that were up to promote the show, um, and I mean, like the West, the, the sites that pretended to be that of Westworld. That there are six parks within Westworld, within the within the larger uh, Disneyland or whatever. There are six total parks. I think it's believed that there's seven actually, and part of that's because they had a Delos Destinations like travel website oh, that, that you seven. could book through okay. that had seven. Yeah, I believe it's seven. So, so we know a handful of them. We know Westworld exists. Mm-hmm. We know Raj World exists where mm-hmm. you can hunt tigers. We know Shogun World exists where you can be a samurai or whatever. Right. We know that now we know it seems that World War II World is probably going to be confirmed in the next episode or so. Mm-hmm. And then in the background of one of the, the next on Westworld or the coming soon this season or whatever, the after the episode clips, we see a, you can kind of see behind there's a moment where Stubbs, which, you know, spoiler, Stubbs is going to come back, but there's a, shot where behind him there's like some medieval looking people yes and it seems that there's like going to be like a medieval kind of world which is hilarious because a half joke we had for the last two years was westeros world under the hbo like the best possible ending to game of thrones was that it was a park in Westworld. yeah and i think that actually we we already know actually benioff and weiss the guys who made west uh, game of thrones are doing a cameo this season i would put most of my savings that they're going to be in the medieval world. Like that's, they're going to be technicians for like the medieval world people like kind of making those robots. So I think that that's, but that's what we know about the parks. And I think there's a seventh one that we still don't totally know. Well, that was only five, right? Oh, that was five. Oh, maybe I can't count. Oh, then yeah, we're missing a sixth and a seventh. And the, in the, the actual movie Westworld that Michael Crichton wrote there, the future, the sequel to that is future world. So some people are saying, well, maybe the, the world we're seeing is a park, and I don't think so. I think that would be annoying because they've already straight up addressed whether we're in a simulation and a simulation in the episode, which I think was the writers hinting like, no, 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 this is not a park. This is real life. So whether it's six or whether it's seven, uh, there are there's at least one, maybe two worlds left to be discovered. And I think it would be maybe a bridge too far for the outside world that we're all in to be a world of Westworld, right? I mean, it, I, although... When I'm when I contemplate future world, I can't quite get past the fact that like we're already in the future yeah. <laughs> in the outside world. So like so so to imagine a future that is beyond the future just seems a little bit 
I mean, we have we relative we have flying cars more or less, right? We have robot attendants more or less. Like I don't know what the future world that they would imagine would be, unless the world that we're seeing as the outside world is a Westworld theme park. And I don't think that that's true. But I guess if I if I can put myself in the writers' room with Nolan and Joy and all the rest. There would be something slightly tempting about how, when you start asking what would future world look like. There would be that temptation of, well, what if the outside world is just a park? I don't think it's a literal park built by the company Delos. I think it would be more of the like uh, the larger question of like what is reality that it, which is irreplaceable and like what is the larger world mean and like what world is like. I think that it has to be like metaphorically, like or not metaphorically, but like metaphysically, what is reality but i think that's more i think it's much less interesting if this is all like plot twist it's a parlor trick by delos and this is still for tourism as opposed to no like host and humanity are fighting for earth i think that's the second one is a much more interesting question oh i i no doubt no doubt um you're i don't i don't right i don't think the frame of mind is that this is a this is a tiny park inside of this theme park but it's an interesting rubric to view the season through, or at least to view the first episode through, because one of the things that we've seen pointed out a lot on Reddit so far is that Caleb's wake-up scene in episode one is a clearly deliberate parallel of Dolores' wake-up scene from, what was that, season one or season two? Um, I mean, whether or not this is just... Uh, you know, so, uh, this is just begging the question that you mentioned in the in our last episode that like, you know, I mean, th- this whole season is going to sort of be about the distance between hosts and humans and, and which one is more fully human um, or whether it's supposed to imply that there's something more to Caleb than meets the eye. No, I, I, I think it's I don't, an interesting I don't, question, I don't, I right? I love Reddit, but I think sometimes people can take things a little too literally. I think that, I, yeah, absolutely. There's supposed to be a parallel between Caleb and Dolores, right? Like, that's not a question. Uh but what is the parallel? I mean, even since season one, Ford, like Anthony Hopkins was out here saying, yeah, people live in loops. How different are we? Like one of the fundamental premises of the show is the people also live in loops. You get up, you have your morning routine, you go to work, you come home. Every day is like kind of like the last one. That's very much a premise. I think the larger point they're trying to, the larger parallel they're trying to make though, is that the hosts are trying to become like humans. Dolores may disdain humans, but she's trying to become like them. They're trying to make everyone conscious. They're trying to become gods. She's trying to become the new gods. That's like the hosts are trying to become like their creators. And then meanwhile, the humans are trying to become like the host, right? The humans are trying to put their minds in hosts and host bodies so they can live forever. But really, just as hosts are trying to become like humans and get human decision making, humans, it turns out, have been trying to get artificial intelligence to make decisions for them. That's where, what Rehoboam, I cannot pronounce that name. Rehoboam? Rehoboam. How the hell do I say it? Just keep going for a while. We'll, we'll, we'll figure, figure it out. We'll get it. But anyway, the point is that humans have turned to AI to make decisions for them. Like you, if you go to the actual website that they made a fake website for the company Insight, it's like you don't know the song in your head. We'll find it for you. We'll find the feeling you want to feel. We'll get the the music. We'll find your real friends. We'll get you get in a car. We'll take you where you really want to go. It's taking the decision making out of being human. So I think that that's really the larger thing they're trying to get is that the hosts and the humans are much more connected when you think. In that, really, it's just the grass is greener. The hosts want to be people. The people want to be hosts. No one's happy. That's kind of, I think, the larger point they're trying to make. Um, I'm tempted to agree with you. One more thing I want to throw in, though, before we leave Caleb's potential hostiness aside. Actually, two things. His little uh, Rock'em Sock'em best buddy, when he's working the construction racket, it turns out, is a Delos machine. 
Well, are we supposed to make anything of that, or is that just a little wink? Uh, yeah, we're supposed to make something of it. Del- Delos has done a wise move and diversified their revenue streams. Construction is a major industry. Why would they not be funding that? That's great. They can't just be in high-end tourism. You've got to expand this business. You know, They're already trying to take the company private. So I'm sure that that was a great business move when they're trying to like get ahead of that IPO. Great move. What other things would you use Delos uh, host drones or, or robots or whatever things for? Well, like what are what are the other really obvious uses? I mean, obviously you get Amazon supply chain because I mean Amazon obviously still exists. So you got to get you got to supply all the drones for the Amazon one hour delivery. Uh, you probably want to be making. You think that Delos makes the phone that Caleb is holding? Like maybe it's a Delos branded phone because you want all the data from the touching, right? And then I don't know what are some other businesses like. I've always I've always wondered about well, bread tabs. I'm always fascinated. Like bread t- I like like maybe that that hasn't really been disrupted in a long time. Could use some disruption in the bread tab Delos industry. I definitely think there'd be a lot of companies. Uh, if if any company had like a hat as part of its uniform from construction on down to like mailman, I, I definitely think there'd be a lot of companies that would be interested in putting that Delos like cowboy hat technology in there to like get all their employees' brains. Sucked oh, that's up a into good a point. Central drive. That's a really good point. Yeah, I got to scan everyone's brains. You'd think that they would just become a brain scanning company and get rid of all this overhead, right? But that would be a pretty no, but good I business. Think the over, but, the, but the overhead is a really easy business. And you can see through the construction work. I mean, that, that makes all the sense in the world. I mean, listen, if those construction robots are out there, let's get real. There are 100% Delos sex bots in the real world. That, all right. I'm, like glad, not, I'm glad we came here. Yeah. That's obviously where this is going, right? And that's how society collapses. Is once you sell these things for personal use, no one leaves. No one goes out. It's kind of like a, a self-imposed. This is how you actually get people to self to social distance and self-quarantine is if you sell those. Well, this is happening like in China right now, I think. I mean, I don't think this is too much of a stretch. So there's definitely aspects of this in, in modern society. And also like there's there's smaller uses, right? I mean, you could take a Delos like you could take a bad cowboy or a bad soldier and like use him for police training and stuff like that you know i mean there's there's a lot of different a lot of different potential uses but anyway we've seen one Delos robot out there in in the in in the real world and that's uh that's this uh this chappy buddy that's uh, that that is uh, doing construction out there with caleb Delos is in the um, social distancing business there's this one other thing and i hesitate to mention it this high up in the podcast but what the hell we're just racing through um there are a lot of people that have that have pointed out, or they're not a lot. There are a couple of people that have pointed out that this, there's this one potential red herring. It was it was the sort of thing that like an, on the third watch just screamed out to be a red herring. Wait, wait, can we make a quick the, pause here? The, I always forget what red yeah. herring means. It's one of those things people say, and then I never want to admit I don't know what it means. But I just, you, please tell me. I never remember. It means. It seems to mean one thing, but really it means something else. It's like it's trying to make it's trying to trick you to believe something. So that you so just misleading what's clue. going on. Oh, okay. Yeah, misleading clue. That seems easier than red so, herring. All right, sorry, continue. So there's this one red herring, getting back into this, there's this one red herring that, that has been pointed out where in the final shootout, Dolores is uh, like, seems to be calling the motorcycle to come to her aid and run over the people who, the dude who's attacking her. Yeah. Um, and she's, she like goes under her whatever intercom and says, wake up, rally to my position to intercept. And there are people who have who uh, I'm looking right now on uh, this is um, Reddit user uh, Illuminandi um, <laughs> who's who suggests that she's actually communicating with Caleb there because that's like it kind of parallels the moment where he realizes that he's not talking to his friend on the phone and he's talking to an AI. So maybe like she is somehow woken him up from whatever reverie he's in, and that now and then he does literally come to her position. 
Um, so maybe the, the the idea being that the 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 motorcycle was the red herring that she she makes this call. We're led to believe that she was just calling in the bat cycle to run over this dude, but really she's sort of waking something else up. Now, who knows if that's true? I, I think but that, if that there's is, some grand thing orchestrating whether Dolores and Caleb meet, I do not think it's Dolores. I think it's Raho. God damn it, Rehoboam? I will get before this yeah, season ends. Great. I will figure out how to say this name. But the massive AI ball in the building is the one orchestrating that meeting. I think that there could be some grand reveal that it convinced Dolores to do the AI's bidding, and part of that involved it meeting, her meeting Caleb. I'd be much more inclined to believe that the AI influenced that than Dolores did. I, it, it's either complete random chance that they met, or the AI orchestrated it. But it's, I don't think there's an in-between. We're not going to talk about that this week, because I, I want to save this for a time where I feel like I have a little bit more to go on. Yeah. But there was an interesting Reddit post from... Uh, Dr. Nemo Manhattan that visual that had some side by side photos of the sort of like digitization of the player piano music from uh, from Westworld and the light patterns that are on Rehoboam, the sort of, um, you know, Mozart, Beethoven and Chopin becoming music theory. But anyway, um, let's move back to Rehoboam in a more general sense. This is well, well, how about this? Let's talk about the architect. You mean the, the bad guy from Ocean's 12? Yes, exactly. We believe that the that there is one person we're talking about here after some deliberation that the architect behind all this is the guy Sirach who uh who is mentioned at the very end of episode 1. Um you wrote a piece for the ringer.com. We probably should have said that earlier, but you're running down a lot of these theories every week, every Tuesday on the ringer.com and one of the things you mentioned this week is this guy Sirach, uh what's the actor's name? Vincent Cassell. He's the Ocean's 12 thief. <laughs> right. He's an amazing actor, a compelling screen presence. We've seen him in previews and stuff. We know that he's going to be one of or the big bad sort of in this episode or at least, I mean, this season, whether or not it's, you know, that that's a misdirection, too. I have no idea um, why they named him after Sean Combs as vodka. I think that, I'm serious. I think that's a mistake. <laughs> I can't take him seriously. When they, every time they say Ciroc, I will not be able to take it seriously. Well, you, you just spend too much time in the club. That's clear. <laughs> so according to your column this week you believe we've seen this man before i do i think that this is not the first well i mean it's the first time we've seen vincent cassell i don't think it's the first time we've seen the character because if you remember in season two episode three is the first time we see emily it's also the first time we see rajwald right in the beginning of season two episode three there's basically a guy scouting out the bunch of tables on his lawn at this british palace thing and emily is we don't know she's emily yet but emily is talking to a guy who's wearing a white suit with a white shirt with white pants, and he has white hair and a white beard. And Vincent Cassell, in all these previews, has white suit, white shirt, white pants, white beard, white hair. That's such a specific look. I can't imagine that's a coincidence. She's also scribbling furiously during this meeting. We never see this guy's face. We never hear from him again. But it was obviously very important, and then this guy walks over and tries to interrupt them, and she hits and hits on her. And he, she doesn't give the Dolores, like, fuck off. But the point is that the this guy is clearly dressed in a way that's supposed to be memorable. And I, th- I really think that there's a, a chance that this architect guy, the guy who has co-founded the company insight was trying to plot something with Emily, which logically would be, okay, let's, he's probably an enemy of some sort of Williams in real life, not real life, but the real human world and is trying to use like his estranged daughter to get some plan going, whether that's to oust him from the board of Delos or whatever the hell. But I, I my sense is that he's a competing enemy of William in the human world and was trying to get Emily to his side. That's, that's my, uh, that's my little, my two cents. 
Well, if you look at the pictures, it is compelling. Now, uh, to say he was dressed in a unique way, I mean, he's certainly dressed in a unique way on the outside world. Uh, on also, Rod's, there's also the on-the-nose thing of William's the man in black, and this guy's wearing all white. Yes, that I, that that is that is visually compelling. We know the show, if nothing else, has a lot of visual motifs going for it. I I I like this idea. Now, you know, it's a given that almost everything we say in this episode will be proven wrong within about forty eight hours. But obviously, uh, for right now, this character that we've never seen on screen, uh, played by Vincent Cassell, um, does look a lot alike this dude who we only saw from like you know. 300 feet away from overhead uh, sitting in Raj world and, and conversing with Emily. Um, I'm going to give this a gold star for right now. Um, Just one. Wait, no, I need at least a five star rating or I'm going to get kicked off the Rico app. No, it, listen, I'm not concerned about your grade. Okay. Um, I got to get my stats up. One more bit about Ciroc before we go. We, yeah. uh, and, and again, this is an all spoilers are included episode. Um, you also point out that we we believe that it's him in the trailer who is talking to Maeve. Will you, will you explain that a little bit? Well, we I mean, we know Vincent Cassell is talking to Maeve. What we're assuming here is that Vincent Cassell is the architect dude. Ciroc and the architect, like, we think it's all the same person. And that he's going to be, yeah, whether it's the big bad of the episode, or at least he seems to be the driving force that it's going to be putting Maeve against Dolores and, you know, at least bringing Maeve to the side of whether it's humanity or just the company insight that he's the driving action for at least the beginning half of the season. That's kind of the right, but what does he, what, what does he say to Maeve? Will you, will you break that down for everybody? So in the trailer, he, in the trailer for season three, like the main trailer and also some of the next week on Westworld stuff, he's telling May or n- later on Westworld, he's telling Maeve, I want you to hunt down Dolores and kill her. So it's, right. it's not very subtle about that. There's going to be a Maeve Dolores conflict. It was, right there in the season three trailer, almost to the point that it's not quite a head fake, but um, I think that there will probably be a Dolores and Maeve conflict, but I think they'll probably make it up and resolve it. Cause I think if that's like the grand episode nine conflict, they might not have given it away so easily, but I, I mean, I do think he's going to ask Maeve to kill her. Now, why he cares so much about Dolores, I have no idea. I mean, now, now we know that it's kind of, well, that's not true. We know that Dolores is trying to get to him. I don't know why Maeve cares about Dolores. That's what I'm still a little confused about. And I think that we're going to have to learn is why would Maeve, Maeve so readily turn on Dolores? We don't totally know that yet. We've seen a lot of conflict between Maeve and Dolores. Not conflict, but near conflict between Maeve and Dolores this season two. They had a very tense exchange early in season two. And basically it came down to, well, I'm on my path and you're on your path. And I guess we both believe in freedom. So Maeve is like, you'll have to let us go. But now, if their paths kind of start heading toward each other, there's definitely going to be some a big clash. Right. I mean, if this show is going to be about ideology, if this show is about philosophy, it only is interesting if there's competing philosophies, right? So, uh, I mean, clearly that is the role that Maeve is going to play, whether or not that's, well, how that, we don't really know how it's going to shake out, but it's, I think it's safe to assume these two are going to be in direct conflict um, as this as this season uh, progresses. Yeah, I think Maeve's, uh, Maeve's main beef with Dolores in season two was that Dolores cares about freedom, but only her kind of freedom. And I think Maeve was more like, well, freedom's letting people do whatever. Everyone doesn't have to join your rebellion. They're not an enemy of freedom if they're not with you. And I think that was her issue with Dolores. Exactly. Um, One more note on this. I mean, we talked about Rehoboam. We talked about the architect. And we talked about Dolores and and Surat kind of coming, being at odds. We were told in episode one, I mean, obviously Dolores is out to get, you know, Surat is out to get, or is out to get Rehoboam. Um, we were told through Scottish Martin that that uh, Sirak is uh, is already watching her, 
right? I mean, that like if 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 she matters at all, of course he's already watching you, and it's not just from his mouth, but we're also if you when you go back and watch the episode over and over again, you see this not so subtle visual symbolism. I mean, subtly presented, I guess, but the implication is not subtle that there are eyes everywhere. Rehoboam is if it's not if it wasn't clear, Rehoboam is Big Brother. There are so yeah. many scenes, or there you know there there are scenes throughout the show where. You see these giant eyes or things that look like eyes that are in the background staring right at the main characters of the show, Dolores in particular. Yeah, no, there's there's eyes everywhere. It's, you're you're dead on about Big Brother. I think that was the, that was definitely the main one of the main. So I think that and also just pools. There's a lot of pools, a lot of pool symbolism in this episode, and a lot of eyes. I think those are the main those are the two main themes that they were trying to get through in this, like visually, and then also just a lot of lines referring to those two things. Rehoboam is always watching. Uh, let's run through a couple of other little nuggets before we get out of here. Um, there's so much to wrap our heads around and, and, and this is only the first episode. All right. First of all, um, what is the U R E W Danny? Explain that to me. Oh, so right after the opening credits, they have that. I mean, they, they showed a few times is that white background with the black circle and all those dots and they're, it's kind of like a timeline mm-hmm. and then it jumps out and there's one that's a, the, the U R E W, which Seem probably ref- shout out to Mufflon Hart on Reddit who pointed out it probably stands for the United Republic of England and Wales, which implies that Northern Ireland and Scotland left the European Union. But that was good. Oh yeah, I enjoyed that one. There's another. There's another little nugget Easter egg thing that when Dolores is as shout out to Andrew Godadaro, uh who edited my piece in Westworld this week, but he he pointed out that when Dolores explains to her boyfriend's friend about how their brain works, she was host planning. I love host planning. <laughs> There's a lot of host planning coming from Dolores. But anyway, she host planes that how brains work. And then she touches, she's explaining that there's a part of your brain that lets people believe in God. And she's touching this, her head in the same place that Ford was touching his head when she, he explained how the brain works to Dolores from season, the end of season one. So I thought that was a fantastic little parallel there. Um, the other one that I thought was interesting is. The music playing when Caleb is holding Dolores in the final scene or the second to last scene of this episode yeah. is the same from when William was holding Dolores in season one. Ooh. The pose is kind of similar. There's like a La Pieta vibe. The La Pieta is like the, the, I mean, there's a style of statue where the mother Mary is holding Jesus and there's uh, kind Jesus, of big La Pieta yeah. vibes. Yeah. There's, there's big, big La Pieta vibes with that. And then also the music is the same. All right. Well, you mentioned, uh, William holding Dolores, uh, takes us back to Westworld to the previous seasons some of our favorite characters are uh, are gone to the valley beyond but a lot of them are potentially here in uh the the present tense or we believe the present tense of season three Jack uh, wrote in to ask do you have any early guesses on who is inside Charlotte and Connell's bodies uh those that's the the two hosts that are clearly present in this episode maybe there's more probably there's more um but uh, Charlotte is we we know from the end of season two is dead and uh, you know whoever she is on the outside world whatever um, host is is inside of her body is presumably not Charlotte Hale's uh, mind and then we saw at the at the end of episode one uh, Dolores killed or yeah killed Connells and replaced him with a fake Connells I said last week that my guess was that that was Teddy Connells is I mean just because of the the care that that the host Connell showed for Dolores after, I mean, seeing that she was injured. Um, but I don't know. Do you have any other guesses since the last time we, we spoke about who is inside these two host bodies? Yeah. So the Chibs from Sons of Anarchy, the, the Scottish guy from the end, I think I agree with your assessment. It's definitely Teddy. It makes sense. 
practically because he said the only clue we have is he cares about Dolores, as you said. The other, the other reason is just it makes sense that like of all the gunslinging people to put in a gunslinger dude, Teddy makes sense. But also just plot wise, it makes sense because that the Scottish Martin, I just call him Scottish goatee guy. Scottish goatee guy is close with Dolores's boyfriend, and I think that Teddy getting the chance to like get close to Dolores's boyfriend and eventually beat the crap out of him, like that seems like the perfect plot arc to get Teddy close to Dolores's guy. That just seems like a really convenient. Uh, set up for Ted and also something Teddy would sign up for. It's also a sort of perfect, ex- a perfect example of Dolores's heartlessness that she would put the guy who is hopelessly in love with her as the body man for the guy that she is seducing at this given moment. Right. I mean, this is like, that is just exactly something that I feel like uh, Dolores would do without thinking twice. Yeah. She's pretty cold. It's a cold world. So the other one is Charlotte. I have no idea, and I think that I have no. I don't even want to pretend. I have no idea who's in Charlotte. I think, like, I mean, I would be interested to see Clementine or something. I, but I really, honest to God, I have no idea. I said in the last episode that, like, you know, in storyline terms, Angela makes the most sense, just because she was that. She kind of had that. But I don't know if Angela exists anymore because she got blown up with the cradle. I don't know if Angela like has a copy of her. I think to Lula Riley, who's the actress who plays her, is just off the show. Well, but I could be wrong. Maybe there is somehow explanation for how Angela would be back, but I don't really know how that would work because the whole thing with her is she actually died. Right. That you're that that may that's probably true. I mean, and I and and that really doesn't affect the point I'm about to make, which as which is the logical choice for Dolores is not, is probably not a very meaningful choice for the viewing audience, right? Like the only way that this reveal, and unless they tell us that it's somebody that we know and we don't really care about in next episode, the only way that this reveal has any weight is if it's something of a surprise or it's just like a, like a big name character. Right. And there, I can't, I mean this, I'm sure they'll tell a good story, but there's not like a big name you know, if, if she puts Dr. Ford's mind in Charlotte Hale's body, then like, I'm not sure that that like makes a lot of logical sense, but that's the sort of reveal that we're probably angling towards. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's also possible Dolores is just doing this and she has to roll through some board meetings every now and then. But I think the most, the most fun character to bring back might be armistice. Oh the yeah. Girl with the snake tattoo on her face. I think she might be fun as Charlotte Hale. They're kind of, they're kind of similar. They might be friends in real life. I, but, uh, I think, but they, do also that, yeah. Dolores doesn't really know her. But so we'll see. I, I, I'm curious how they go with it, because it's funny that once you think about it, Dolores doesn't know too many people. She doesn't really have a lot of friends. Like you go through season. May has made just made friends left, right and center. She's she's friends with Hector. She's friends with Armistice. She's got Felix and Sylvester. She's got like the Shogun world versions of themselves. Like she's got, you know, size more. Like, she knows a lot of people. Dolores, not a lot of friends. All her friends wear these black masks, not real people. She's got Teddy, who we think is there. Her dad, whose brain is all messed up, like. She's kind of alone for someone who's like leading an army. I so lonely existence at the top. That's why my vote for who is in Charlotte Hill's body is uh, is Craddock. I think it's the uh, the leader of the of the, uh, the Confederados. I'm not really being serious about this, but she really doesn't have that many Moving friends. Glory that would be, but that would be pretty awesome. Glory. That would be pretty awesome if they if she just put like a Confederate soldier into the Dulles board meeting and was just like, "You are uh, you are this African American woman now. Go have fun." Um, so that is, I think all of the big questions that we have to deal with this time. Do you want to spend the last two minutes of the show? Let's call it the last 90 seconds of the show. I'm just kidding. Take the time you want discussing the opening credits and what we can glean from those so far. Cause the opening credits are your Westworld. The opening credits are your amusement park uh, that you just go and play in till the end of time. So tell me what I need to know because 
I'm not paying attention. Well, first, can I ask you a question? Sure. Before I get into the opening credits, Matt Diggin asked, if you had the money, would you guys go pay to get into Westworld? Oh. Or if not Westworld, would there be a different theme park you would want to pay to get into? Shoemaker, you got a lot of vacation time. You work a lot. You could take three weeks off if you want. What park do you want to go to from Matt Diggin? Um, well, all my vacation would involve would involve my family. So I, I'm not sure <laughs> that I would go to any of these. <laughs> um, but I said last week that I would go to Westworld before some of the other worlds because it would be I can I can see the joy I can see like the relative fun and like chilling in the bar or whatever you know I mean just like putting on an outfit and walking around the wilderness and whatever else like that part of it I get um overall I mean just the idea if I was just on my own going to do Westworld like the like everybody else does on the show that we see I mean I'm sort of get heart palpitations just thinking about it like it just feels like it just feels exhausting to even consider if there was a if there was a world that I could justify escaping my life for like 72 hours to go to that involved that was just like like man cave world where I could just like fully chill out and then pretend everything else like escape from everything else I might go to that. Um outside of that the only thing I think I we're could, living in that right now. I yeah, think I everyone's living in man cave world right now. There there have been some rumors about Jurassic World, right? And frankly, completely unrelated. I just watched Jurassic Park last night. Um, again, running from T Rexes and Velociraptors gives me it gives me chest pain. But the first like half of that movie, where you're just like in a jeep looking at brontosauruses and shit, like I would definitely sign on for that. Um, as for the other parks, I don't know, man. I'd have to have some really like like Pope mobile experience with the whole thing. Cause it would be fun to watch and it'd be fun to like vaguely be a part of, but I'm not trying to like, like ride a horse with some dudes chasing me. You know I mean? That's just that, that's not my idea of a vacation. What, what's your answer? Yeah. Riding a robot horse doesn't make it easier. I feel like you can still get bucked from a robot horse, but no, I agree with Jurassic because the Jurassic park was written by Michael Crichton. Who's also wrote the movie for Westworld. So that's like the main reason people have always thought about the dinosaurs. And also, is it the first thing you build as a dinosaur? Why would you build a person? People are so boring. I want to ride a dinosaur. I would want to ride a, a velociraptor. And I want to be like one of those paintings where Abe Lincoln's riding a dinosaur with a machine gun. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to hunt other bad dinosaurs with my pack of good dinosaurs. I want to be like Chris Pine from, from the Jurassic World, but kind of cooler. That's definitely the vacation I want. All right. Well, I think that's enough for one week. I think we covered everything. We have opening credits to discuss, but we're going to push that off till next week. Uh, Danny, thank you so much for uh, lending us your robot brain, even in this hour of um, great football news breaking. Uh, yeah, whose mind is in my body? That's the, that's the question I wanted to end this with. Do you know? Um, no, but it is definitely not a human mind because you've, <laughs> uh, uh, judging by the homepage of the ringer.com, you've written 15 articles in the past two hours. So uh, it's amazing that you had time to do this. Just trying to capture all the natural splendor. Th- <laughs> Thank you, Danny. Thank you, Bobby Wags, for producing this whole thing. Thank you, everybody that's listening. We'll be back on Sunday night, immediately after the airing of episode two, uh, with our breakdown of what just happened. And uh, and then again next week, hopefully next Tuesday, for Ten Foil Tuesdays on its real official day. Guys. Well, and if you have questions, hit us up hit us up on Twitter or email us at the recapables at gmail.com. Yeah, do that. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.